Almost. 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 Major. 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 Holy fucking shit, this is major! Welcome to this week's edition of Almost Major, where we talk about the many major studios and the films they released. My name is Kevin Tudor. I'm here with Bryden Doyle. Hello. And Charlie Nash. Hello. And today we are talking about uh, Dogma from 1999. This is our second film in our Lionsgate miniseries. Uh, Dogma in 1999 premiered at Cannes, May 1999, at TIFF, September 1999, and released in the U.S. November 12th, 1999. It uh, opened to 1,269 theaters at, at the third place in the box office and expanded up to 1,330 1, theaters. It was nominated for an Independent Spirit Award for Best Screenplay. Uh, the budget was $10 million opening weekend, $8.6 million, domestic gross of $30.6 million, overall gross of $4.39 million. Top five films this weekend. This is the exact same weekend as Felicia's Journey. So we got Pokemon, Bone Collector, This, The Messenger, and Anywhere But Here. <sighs> Number one song in the U.S. this week. Once again, Smooth by Santana. <laughs> <laughs> Number one song in Canada this week. Once again, Mama Number Five by Lou Bega. Okay. Um, dogma revolves around two fallen angels who plan to employ a alleged loophole in Catholic dogma to return to heaven after being cast out by God, but as existence is founded on the principle that God is infallible, their success will prove God wrong, thus undoing all creation. The last scion and two prophets are sent by the seraph Metatron to stop them. Directed and written by Kevin Smith, prior to this, Clerks in 1994, Mallrats in 1995, Chase and Amy in 1997, after this, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back in 2001, Clerks 2 in 2006, and Tusk in 2014. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. I was just like, what would be a later one? I was like, yeah, I'll go with Tusk, I guess. Uh, movie I saw in theaters, unfortunately. Um, Same. Not, not as bad as seeing uh, Jay and Silent Bob reboot in theaters, but it was up there. Um, Starring Linda Fiorentino? Linda Fiorentino. Fiorentino, yes. Linda Fiorentino as Bethany prior to this After Hours and an episode of uh, Alfred Hitchcock Presents in 1985, The Last Seduction in 1994, Jade in 1995, Men in Black in 1997. After this, What Planet Are You From and Where the Money Is in 2000. She then did a direct-to-video movie in 2002 and another one in 2009 and hasn't acted since. Um, a funny thing about After Hours, we were just talking about out-of-print DVDs. I saw that at a Dollar General today for $3, and I was like, oh, I need to buy that, because as soon as I buy that, they're going to announce a Blu-ray. Um, <laughs> ben Affleck as Bartleby. I'm, yeah. Uh, Matt Damon as Loki, once again. Uh-huh. Also starring Chris Rock, Jason Lee, Jason Mewes, Alan Rickman, and Selma Hayek. Uh, trivia. There's a lot of trivia. Uh, William Donahue of the Catholic League lambasted the film and publicly protested against it for months without actually seeing it. When his office called View Askew and requested a special screening so that he could, quote, speak about it intelligently, Kevin Smith responded, so what has he been doing the past six months? Pretty funny. Uh, when Kevin Smith and Scott Mosher hired Alan Rickman, when, when, when they heard Alan Rickman was a Chase and Amy fan, they asked him to play Metatron. He read the script and came back with two questions. Would they, be, would they stay faithful to the script, and were the wings real or CGI? Note, the wings are real and were very heavy, and Rickman hurt his back eventually through filming with them on. Oh. Apparently, they were like over 100 pounds. 
Jeez. Um, the role of Loki was written for Jason Lee, but scheduling conflicts forced him to take on the smaller role of Asriel, and Matt Damon took over as Loki. Jason Lee would have been good. I think he would have been really good as that role. I'm imagining just well, the yeah. scene where he's yelling. Mm, where, like... Yeah. But, the, like, I don't need... Without laying out my hand as to how I feel about this movie, I feel like Ben Affleck and Matt Damon... Oh no no no! I'm happy with oh, it, but course. I'm thinking like Lee. It's like oh, that's a good. That's like a good. I can see that. We're like I'm, I'm right, and it I, would be a Chase and Amy reunion, and they have great. True, and I feel yeah, like they, Lee when he gets yeah. into the the sort of like the high pitched register where he's like yelling, he's like what? We're, we're gonna die? Go to hell? Fuck that! Like I feel like he could really like handle that. It'd be like him and like all his scenes and like Chase Neighbors like you fucking tracer like that. Like I feel like he would have if he was in that register the whole movie. It's like I can imagine him. Playing I'll trace mm-hmm. a line around your dead fucking body. <laughs> Jason Amy, pretty funny. Uh, according to Kevin Smith, Lynn Florentino was very difficult to work with. Someday she wouldn't even speak to him. He later said that he wished he offered the role to Janine Garofalo instead. Once filming wrapped, Smith and Florentino didn't speak to each other anymore. After Smith suffered a heart attack in 2018, he was contacted by many people he hadn't spoke to in a long time, including Florentino. During their conversation, he ap- apologized to her over his earlier comments about her. Smith said, I was thankful to hear from her, and it also gave me a chance to say i'm so sorry i ever said that thing years ago it gives you a chance to make amends so that was my favorite one that's actually really yeah. nice especially because yeah i mean yeah i i don't know exactly what the story is with fiorentino not acting but like the idea of calling a, a, a female uh, a female actor difficult like is like it does especially like hearing some of the stories about like hollywood and you know blacklisting and all that stuff it's like it does have like a much right. more loaded uh weight to it versus like you know i don't know an example of like a difficult actor like i don't know uh uh, Jared Leto. I, I don't know if that's a difficult actor to work with, but like, <laughs> sounds like it. Yeah, but like, I feel like I would uh, assume working with Jared Leto is difficult in any capacity. This so. is true. Yeah. <laughs> Being his bandmates, his screen partners, yeah, talking uh, to him face to face in any form. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to bring up that he was in Chapter Twenty Seven. Anyways, uh, Kevin Smith oh, God. sued. <laughs> My man gained like a hundred pounds to star in a movie nobody watched. Have either of you seen that movie? No. I did. Oh, not. I, no. I did. Oh, I oh, watched what? that piece of shit. Why? That's a good. Question. I don't know. I was a teenager and I was stupid. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, when when those pictures came out, I was like, oh man, this is fucking gonna be awesome. The guy from Requiem for a Dream and Lord of Wars doing this. <laughs> Look, I went from high. I was in high school from 2005 to 2009. I was assigned to read Catcher in the Rye. Of course, I liked it because I was a sad teenage white boy. And then I heard that in 2007 they made a movie, and I was just like, oh, Jared Leto. Before we knew he was horrible, and uh, Lindsay Lohan. Uh, are in this i i have to watch this and then I, like me and my friend watched it we were just like oh god oh oh dear no like <laughs> funny we never got a sign catcher in the rye oh yeah, i got i definitely got a sign like great gatsby blah 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 stuff yep. like that i wonder if being in catholic not... school or did that from your christian school i wonder if that was maybe the, the thing yeah the, that. they did yeah, they just assigned you uh the Bible over and over. <laughs> oh, dear. Only one book you need, boy. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Smith pursued uh, Robert Rodriguez to direct the film. Rodriguez enjoyed the script, but to see it as how personal the story was, insisted that Smith himself direct it. Uh, Smith wrote the screenplay before he wrote Clerks in 1994, but shelved it because he wanted to do it with proper visual effects and a budget. Um, according to him, his first choice for the role of Bethany was uh, Gillian Anderson. Oh, Wow, I can I can yeah. imagine that being good. Yeah, I mean she's great. I love her. 
I know, but it's I'm like, glad it's that like she I wasn't get it. In it. You like the X Files, yeah. Well, I'm uh, just glad that she wasn't in it because mm, never mind. <laughs> we'll get to it. <laughs> it would have made it somehow better. I don't think that's possible. Emma Thompson no. was going to appear in the film as God, but withdrew before filming began to have a baby. The role was written for Holly Hunter, who didn't end up being cast. But the remark about the piano stayed in the script. It went to Alanis <sighs> Morissette, who was originally meant to play Bethany, but was unable because of touring. Her playing Bethany would have been... I don't know if she's a good actress. I haven't seen her in anything. I know. Yeah. Like, she's good playing God, but she it's its just facial expression. Well, I did notice that, like, according to Wikipedia, she got, like, one of the worst stinker awards for that, like, for that role. What was it? Oh, come uh, on. It she's was the so Stinker's Bad Movie Award of musicians who shouldn't be acting, and she got nominated. I'm like, she has no lines, which I'm not saying if you don't have lines, you can't act, but I'm just saying, like, it's such stunt casting and she does exactly what she's supposed to do like how can you not how can you just pick on her for that shit like was... also there's lower grade razzies they called the stinkers the stinkers bad movie award which i don't know whoever is involved with that should be ashamed of themselves are the stinkers the golden globes to the razzies oscars <laughs> yeah okay um among the numerous reportedly eight drafts of the script written, the controversy and protests of the film was based on a third draft, which was transcribed and placed on the internet by an unknown source. Ooh. Due to the controversy of the film, Disney was having doubts about releasing the film, at which point Miramax's Harvey Weinstein personally brought the project for brought the project from Miramax and sent it to Lionsgate, which is why the film is unable uh, unavailable to stream or buy because the rights reside with him. It was originally scheduled for a November 1998 release date before the controversy. Hmm. And uh, lastly, in the commentary, apparently after Columbine, the idea was was uh, potentially to cut the movie's office shootout scene. Uh, Smith said it wouldn't have been the biggest loss since it's the scene that doesn't have to do with the plot. Which I still fucking love that scene. But That's why I had to come down here this morning, man. That's why I had to miss my cartoons. You call me, you tell me it's important. We're going home. Take it, man. I quit leering at me. People are going to think I just broke up with you. Two fallen angels have just discovered a loophole that can get them back into heaven. Outstanding work! All they have to do is get to Red Bank, New Jersey. There's only one problem. What are you? What do you want with me? Stop a couple of angels from entering and thus negating all existence. I hate it when people need it spelled out for them. Now, I'm to charge you with a holy crusade. One person has been chosen to stop them, but she won't have to do it alone. I'm Jay. This is my head of life mate, Sal Bob. You gotta be kidding me. Profits, in a manner of speaking. What about sex? No sex. Guys, I guess just don't fall the sky, you know? Oh, that sucks. What are you? I was the 13th apostle. You knew Christ. No. Brother owed me 12 bucks. I thought she looked familiar. Let me guess. The 14th apostle. I'd like to taste the New Jersey, please. Jersey sold out, sir. I suggest you not underestimate the staggering drawing power of the Garden State. They're successful? You and me? All of this ends in a heartbeat. I feel like Han Solo, you're Chewie, and she's Ben Kenobi. <laughs> Taste God's wrath. Anyone who isn't dead or from another plane of existence would do well to cover their ears right about now. What's he like? God. It's got a great sense of humor. Take sex, for example. Sex is a joke in heaven. The way I understand it, it's mostly a joke down here, too. <laughs> Get it? 
Who, uh, Brian, was this your first time watching it? My first time watching it, but not my first Kevin Smith movie. I think I've seen, I've seen Clerks. I've seen most of Mallrats, like, on Netflix, which I think I came in maybe, like, 20 minutes late to that one, but I've seen most of that movie. Um, Chasing mm-hmm. Amy, now this. Uh, Clerks 2, Zachary Make a Porno, Cop Out, Red State, and Tusk. Tusk is the last one, uh, is, like, the most recent one that I've seen. I have not seen uh-huh. his later films, but, yeah. You haven't seen Yoga Hosers? You're missing out. Oh, man. am I? Am I? I'm a bad Canadian for not seeing the new Cronenberg and also for not seeing Yoga Hosers. Uh, that's that's mm, that's my cross to bear. Is right. yeah. Yeah. Well, you are a bad Canadian for one of those, but Jesus. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. You need an American to make a very, very obvious Canadian movie where it's just like, you know, how they say A? And a boot. That's funny. Yeah. I will funny. say, I, I went to Sundance the year, one of the few times I went to Sundance, they did have yoga hosers there, and Smith provided uh, no press screenings whatsoever, and we're like, Smart. no, because of the negative reception that my films have received over the past several years, uh, you have to buy a fucking ticket to see and review my movie, so you have to spend money in order to make money, and then, like... How did you get just that's the movie that we are expected to actually invest if in? If you're gonna shit on my movie, you better pay for it. First. <laughs> Which grow the fuck? How did you get dude? less mature as he got grow older? Grow fucking Cause, spine. Because like Dogma, I mean, not to like get into it right away, but like you know, the movie like opens with like the thing where it's uh, you know, this is like not serious, you know, like you know, uh, what's the, what's the line that it has to be like talking about critics? Uh, it's like uh, you know, it's fiction not meant to be serious. God judges, not film critics. Just kidding, or whatever. And you're like, ah. no, yeah. that yeah, exactly. Where I was just like, well, flash forward to several years later, and you're more thin-skinned than ever. Like, like what the fuck, dude? I, he says facade. that, but he he usually always says like, you know, I make them for my fans, which is always the worst thing a director can say because yep. that just means say, don't try. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it it shows. Anyway, I'm stepping over you, Brian. <laughs> Oh, it definitely shows in the past, like, 15 years. But, yeah, Brian, go ahead. Uh, yeah, am I giving my initial thoughts, just to be clear? I, I just wasn't. Oh, yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so, yeah, I've never seen this one. And it's something, it's something I wanted to see. I th- the only other one that I want to watch of his now is uh, Jane Simon Bob Strike Back. Although I'm hesitant now, because... It's a fun time. Well, the thing is, I feel like that's, like, a, those are characters that, like, go a little... A little of them goes a long way. And, like, them being so front and center uh, with this movie mm-hmm. kind of was a problem with me. Uh, I feel like... With this movie, I'm, like, kind of on the fence of it. I think there's, like, a third of a good movie in here. I think that the whole movie was just about Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. I feel like the chemistry that they have, like, is where they're really firing on all cylinders with each other, where it does feel kind of like, uh, have, like, a, a shared history and everything, where, like, they, they're, like, they're, they're just, like, the looks that Ben Affleck will give uh, Damon and everything when, like, Damon's going on these, like, very sanctimonious rants and everything, just, like, a bit, like, is very funny. Um, and, like, you get, like, a whole uh-huh. sense of, like, their relationship. Um... And I feel like there's also, I feel like character work there and like the, the way that they come across, like, I mean, I feel like Affleck's heel turn in the movie where he becomes like, just like an unhinged villain. I feel like it's maybe a little abrupt, but I feel like also Affleck's giving like a genuine performance. I mean, where like, yeah. like the scene with Fiorentino on the train where like, he like realizes who he's talking to oh, and, so and then like good. the sort of like little flicker of a smile that he tries to suppress is like, he's like thinking like, Oh, I'm going to like kill this. Where, like, it's like, genuinely kind of creepy and like and then him like you know lashing out like you know because it's like you know putting these angels on a pedestal and then like you know but then like allowing the humans to be forgiven and everything and it's like i don't know like there is like a a sort of sense of like a a nugget of an idea of like you know getting at the hypocrisy and everything i feel like the movie the rest of the movie 
kind of doesn't quite do. I mean, like, you know, the the massacre scene at the business office, I feel like that's kind of, like, separate from... I mean, they talk about how it's idolatry. I feel like it's kind of separate from, like, the religion they're actually tacking, tackling uh, in the movie. Um, <laughs> and, but then, like, I feel like you've got, like, all this other stuff where it doesn't really work. I mean, the Jay and Silent Bob stuff, I mean, I feel like just the one joke that they have that, like, they just, like, cannot get enough of is, like, that they want to have sex with Linda Fiorentino, and then they will not stop asking, even when she tells them to stop, and that she's not interested. And the movie just, like, can't get enough of it. And, like, it's, like, just the movie, like, where... Smith also has, like, this tendency where, like, it will be, like, characters making jokes, and then, like, sort of, like, his, like, long pauses where, like, it will be, like, leaving... Almost like he's leaving air for people to, like, laugh at the jokes and everything, and then, like, having sort of, Mm -hmm. like, the, the, the sort of, like you know, wink, wink, like, looks that they'll give each other, and it's just, like, I, I, I don't know, I find it, like, really kind of grating and, you know, self-impressed in a way that I don't like. Not to, like, project all this onto Smith as a, as a personality or whatever, but, um, uh, and I just don't think Smith has, like, the pacing down to make this movie's, like, two-hour-plus runtime, like, really zip, zip by, like, and, you know, it's a road movie, like, in its, in its essence and everything, like, but, like, where they're traveling from was it like Philadelphia to, to New Jersey over the course of a few days? And it's like Wisconsin. 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 Yeah. Fuck, I fucked it up. Sorry. Not the same as Philadelphia. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I think it, it, you know, it, the reason With, I was confused is because... No, it's not all taking place on the East Coast. Well, yeah. no, the, the reason um, I was confused is because I, I forgot while watching the movie and then the locations at the end were um, thanks to New Jersey and Pittsburgh for filming and I, I got confused. So yep, yep, that's my yep, mistake. Yep, yep. Um, but, like, I feel like with a road movie, like, the thing that, like, really makes those kind of, that sort of subgenre hit is, like, you know, the whether it's, like, the eccentric characters you're meeting along the way or the sense of place and all the all the various destinations you stop by. And I feel like every location in this movie is just, like, so anonymous where it's just, like, you know, parking garages and train. And, and like, but also there's not, like, really a, a texture to, like, the anonymity uh, or sort of, like, the... the dead-endedness of it i mean you know i feel like you do get and that's the thing that i think smith is good at in his early films like you know clerks with like the the, the like the shopping the, the the little mini market they're working at. yeah and then yeah. The, mall, the, mm-hmm. the dirt malls that they go visit and mall rats and everything i feel like he really can be good at that stuff even though i don't think he's like the most visually expressive filmmaker i feel like he does like get that but like i don't know in this movie just like it doesn't feel like there's really any kind of and it's supposed to be like a ticking clock narrative where like they're supposed to be trying to stop this apocalypse. And I feel like there's just like not really any urgency in the movie whatsoever. And it's, I, I, I don't know. Uh, and like, it's the thing over, like I find like a lot of the, jo- the jokes in this movie, like it's not funny enough, consistently enough, I think to paper over like some of the other things that I start thinking about where like, I feel like the commentary doesn't entirely feel coherent with like the religious stuff, like, or even like, especially well thought out, like, the one joke that kind of stuck out to me was like Chris Rock saying like, you know, where he's like the 13th apostle, which is a funny idea. Like just the idea that there's like a 13th apostle. Um, but like, it's like him like saying, Oh, well like our story wasn't told because like they didn't want black people on the Bible. And like, it was all white guys. And I'm thinking like, well, I don't think that's entirely accurate that it was like white people in the Bible. Cause that's like in the middle East, I think like, it's like, I don't think that's like quite right. Again, I may be reading into the joke, but if the movie were funny, I feel like, or consistently funny, I guess. And it's subjective. Of course, I feel like, it would I would be able to like overlook that stuff, but it's just like when the movie is like that long and not especially uh, fleet in its pacing, and the jokes aren't hitting, and it's like, I just I, I kind of just like my mind wanders, and I'm just starting to think of stuff too. And also like the other thing too, like this is my last thing I'll say before I move on is like also the joke of like, uh, or I don't even know if it's a joke because the movie treats it pretty sincerely, but like Sama Hayek like says like, well, it's not like you know what you believe in, it's how strongly you believe in it that matters. And I'm thinking like, 
what does that mean then? Like Scientology, is that like the thing that like is going to be valid and everything? Like it's like, it's like I, I, I don't know. It's just like that kind of thing where I'm like, I don't buy the, the things that this movie is saying. And I don't even know if like it's, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I, maybe we'll get a little bit more into it as we go into the discussion, but I don't know. This just, I just don't really feel like this movie has anything to say and it doesn't, and you know, again, if it were funny, I feel like it would work. It, I would be able to overlook that, but I just like, it didn't really work for me enough. But Damon and Affleck, I feel like there's a nugget of a good idea in the movie. And whenever they're, we cut over to them, I feel like that's really funny. And if the whole movie had been about, about them, it might have been more like tightly focused and had more room to flesh out their conflicts and maybe give them some like credence to some of their ideas while also like paying them as like un, sort of some rather unsympathetic characters. Um, I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll yield the floor to you now both, uh, but that's those are my brief thoughts now. So you're saying the 10 minute scene with the shit demon isn't necessary? I will say that is actually kind of interestingly thought out. And it's just sort of like the sense of like adolescent daydreaming about like what's like the grossest monster you can think of. And also just like the practicality of it where it's like, or not the practicality, like the logic of it where it's, um, oh, well, like when you die, like you, evac you evacuate your bowels and everything. And it's like, imagining that it's like from the people who, all these people who died on crosses, it's like, that's that is like kind of like a nastily inventive idea that I can imagine like a 13 that like that in a in a way that actually is kind of pleasing where it's like I can imagine a 13 year old just thinking like what it, like so what happens when you die it's like oh there's like something there and then like just like the, and then like you know making a monster out of it just like to like fuck around and everything I can that that actually did work for me and the special effects in there are pretty do have like a nice sort of like gross tactility to it um didn't Conker's Bad Fur Day, which came out, like, the same year, also have a shit demon in it? That sounds familiar. Two, ye two years later, and it's the Great Mighty Poo that you the have to throw toilet Poo. paper into its yeah. mouth while it's singing. Fantastic yep. game, yeah. Uh, Charlie, you go ahead. Uh, I'm sorry, Kevin. Uh, okay, so I saw... Yeah, so, like, when I was, like, in high school, I remember I had a friend who was like, you haven't seen any Kevin Smith movies? And he literally lent me his whole library. Like, Hell yeah. Cler like, at, up, up until that point. It was like, Your Clerks, friend was me. Yes. Cl <laughs> Clerks, Small Rats, Jane Silent Bob Strike Back, this. I remember, like, we'd lend each other movies all the time, and it was, like, our, like, a class we dreaded to it was like geometry or something with a terrible teacher and it would be the only highlight of the day is like us exchanging movies and i remember just like liking kevin smith movies back in the day but not fully loving them and like one of those one and done type of things where i was just like yeah it was enjoyable and i hadn't seen this movie since i was 15 i will also just say I was raised by agnostic parents um i am uh, deeply stupid when it comes to uh any kind of uh, an analysis on faith or spirituality, especially when it comes to Christianity, Catholicism, what have you. So this was never one of my favorite Kevin Smith movies when I was a kid, and uh, I had not rewatched it since. And now I just, I just find this movie so deeply annoying. <laughs> I just found it very irritating and very abrasive. And I feel like every single scene is the same in which Kevin Smith is having a conversation with himself. And no matter who comes on top, Kevin Smith wins. <laughs> like, one of those things. I felt like it's not... Again, subject matter that I was never, in, like, brought up with. I've never been to church a day in my life. So, like... Oh, wow. but But it's not to say I don't enjoy films about faith. I mean, fucking First Reformed, I think, is one of the best films of the past decade. I love Last Temptation of Christ. Obviously, different... Many different types of films. And also, Paul Schrader, who I just mentioned, is involved with both of those movies. Much different filmmaker when it comes to tackling this type of subject material. However... You're also, you're also a big fan of God's Not Dead, too. 
I had to watch that. I saw that's somebody I watched in high school for class. Uh, uh, yeah. Oh God, I did see the first one. My friend and I like just were like, "Want to get fucked up and watch this?" And then by the time like we were like, "Oh shit, it's six a.m. What happened?" <laughs> like we're both our heads hurt. Um, no, <laughs> but uh, like uh, but anyway, uh, no, but uh, yeah, I just I I I find this film to be very one note and to be very juvenile. And again, as Bryden brought up, there's a smugness to Kevin Smith that he has revealed himself to uh to be less transparent with over time and i think even going back and watching all of his films he's so impressed with his own juvenile sense of humor and in a way it just like like i was talking with my roommate who was like as a lapsed catholic like back then like this film really spoke to me like especially when it came out and like, I thought it was hilarious. It was great. And all this stuff. And I, I admitted, I was just like, yeah, I, I, I just don't have that background. So like, I know I'm at a disadvantage here, but watching it as someone who's going in, trying to, who's trying to go in with um, a fair headed mindset. It was just, I, I felt like every single scene was exactly the same where Linda Fiorentino encounters someone and then they're like, she's like, who are you? And then they explain who they are. And she's like, but I was, but I've been going to church all my life. What do you mean X, Y, and Z? And then they go, well, X, Y, and Z because one, two, three. And then it's just kind of like, all right, we, we, we get it. And it's so talky and it's so impressed with its own theologies on whatever in a way that isn't exactly challenging or even controversial no. there i'm not saying there aren't offensive jokes in this thing but it is very funny to me and i i will say that i have amount of privilege because i've always had a sense of remove from the subject matter but this was so controversial back then there's like nothing really that mostly like, just with the catholic league yeah and like the violence i guess but like it ties it up pretty neatly at the end pretty neat well, although it's well, like, well violent, really. well i mean i Besides, guess like at the end i don't know if at the time or whatever but like yeah um it, it's just it yeah well no go ahead Brian. No, the other thing i wanted to i mean i i completely agree with you i didn't want to step on your your words or anything but you're right that this movie is like 90 percent exposition where it is just like it's sitting so down and exposition. like when you add that on top of kevin smith just being like resorting to the shot reverse shot like style of filmmaking where it is just like people sitting down and talk it's like it's a, yeah. I, like i was just, just zoning the fuck out some of the times while like oh. while like writing even though it's like great actors like reading some of these lines i'm just like well, you're not conveying this information in, in an interesting way but uh, please go on i want to yeah. hear what no 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 I, I completely agree with you and the fact that it, you brought up a good point that i didn't even think of it is that it is a road movie and he's no interest he's not interested in exteriors or anything which could at least provide some sense of like we are moving forward in terms of like both the hero's journey and in terms of like aesthetic pleasure <laughs> in terms of like you know just having something different to look at which is much different than clerks where of course clerks that makes sense you're trapped in this dead end job uh, where it, it, it provides a sense of, you know, it just mundane claustrophobia and uh, just sameness, which anyone who's worked a service job can relate to. But here uh -huh. the, uh, the stakes are so much higher and he wants to be so much more audacious. And the tone is all over the place where you have yeah. an actual body count in a Kevin Smith movie, but Jane Silent Bob are cracking the same sex joke over and over again. And I agree with you, Bryden. Like, I mean, we've talked about, uh, as Kevin, you and I have talked about, we love Beavis and Butthead on this show, but those are like cartoon characters. And while Jane Silent Bob 
are cartoon characters. <laughs> Beavis and Butthead is always like they're always the butt of the joke, but there's always a sense, especially because Silent Bob is obviously played by Kevin Smith, that there's meant to be a sense of likability towards them in a way that more so than Beavis and Butthead, where they're just fucking morons. And obviously, I'm not saying that they aren't, but especially Silent Bob. Well, maybe it, the movie isn't saying they're equal because Jay is clearly dumber and hornier than bob in this one but, but like they're accidentally smart where like they yeah. reveal like during their horniness like oh i think that we have to go to the hospital yeah. or whatever to get this person or whatever and and, and and i know kevin smith is obviously the auteur behind everything here but it purposely feels like they're dropped into this movie and it was just like why are they here it's and so kevin smith's just like because i want them to be you know that type we'll of get into it it's so flimsy like... how they get shoehorned into the movie but yeah anyway sorry yeah I by the time people cute. are fucking dying and there's actual blood and gore going on here and jay's just cracking the same joke about how he wants to fuck linda fiorentino i'm like oh jesus christ it's been how far into this movie are we oh god there's still 20 minutes left oh god like i just i i i and i it's just not my thing is ultimately the thing where i i know there you know i know this movie uh has its defenders and uh, it means a lot to certain people especially those who are you know present it, it felt, it, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <yeah>. okay <laughs> i'm sorry i feel like such a jackass because i, I just, negative I'm, nancy shut up you know give me uh, 20 yeah. minutes okay fine it's, it's, it's <laughs> here here the mic is yours just <laughs> uh, yeah backstory i I remember when Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back was coming out in 2001, they showed Clerks on FX, and being nine years old, I was like, oh, that movie looks funny, he's doing another, he has another movie? Okay, I'm gonna record that, because it, it aired at like 11pm, and I had to go to bed, uh, because I was in like fucking second grade, and um, I remember watching that, and immediately loving it, but also of the kind of thing where I was just probably like, I don't know, nine years old, and I was like, this is an adult movie. This is what adults think is funny, so I'm going to laugh at it, and I'll be cool. Quick question. Was but, the FX version mm -hmm. censored? Because I know the, that movie's notorious yeah, for yeah, having, yeah. like, it's, it almost got the S17 oh, yeah. language, which is funny. I just... Yeah. It, yeah, it was it was all blanked out. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and then uh, I didn't know until a few times after I watched it that they actually ran Mallrats afterwards, so that's how I first oh, saw that. Right. And... Um, so I've I have been a fan uh, somewhat of him since 2001. It's my my love of his early movies have never really faltered besides Chasing Amy, but Mallrats is still a, a fun enough time. Clerks is still like top ten for me. I I adore that movie more than anything. And um, Dogma is one that I haven't seen as often because it's just so long. But rewatching it here. Um, before I watched it, I was uh, I watched some video that was just like, what happened? Because after Clerks 2, it's like anything he did was pretty much indefensible. And it's just like, what the fuck happened, dude? And it was pretty much saying that it's just like Clerks. He had something to say because he was living that life. Mallrats, mm -hmm. it's pretty much just a remake of Clerks, but in a mall. <laughs> Chasing Amy, he probably shouldn't have made a movie about being insecure that his girlfriend had sex with other people besides him but he had something to say regardless and dogma is however old he was at that time because he was a lifelong catholic he has like almost 30 years of that knowledge to talk about so it makes sense and then by the time it gets to zach and mary make a porno it's just like you just want to rip off judd apatow because you don't have any more ideas and then when it gets to tusk it's just like 
you were high on a podcast and you were just like, what if a guy made into a walrus? And then he just, there's just no more personal element. And I think once he pretty much mined all of his personal ideas that he just pretty much was just making shit to make shit at that point. So I think that's when, because then in his later movies, it almost feels like somebody's like, well, you have a daughter now. What's that like? And he's like, you're right. I could write about that. I could, you know, um, Jersey girl for example um but yeah and and then going back to uh, watch this i was just like this is definitely probably his best movie technically wow. i do love clerks more but i do think the screenplay here is like pretty great hmm. overall um because of the amount of context and information that is being you know it can be exhausting and whatnot but alan rickman in this movie is fucking phenomenal i think he's just so funny and so annoyed and so he's so great in this movie so anything anytime he's on screen i'm i'm dialed in linda ferentino exists in this movie i do agree that janine groffalo would have been better but also she's just kind of the audience surrogate where she's just like what's going on what's happening with this it's like the least fun role that you could have in a comedy where you have to be like the straight person while everyone is being like while everyone's sort of like you're like bouncing off of like other people and everything, or other people are bouncing off of you. But Janine like Garofalo also is so brilliant at delivering comic annoyance, yeah. which Linda Fiorentino is constantly just seems annoyed. This. Yeah, she just seems annoyed, but like mono- like. And again, it is that thing where it's like, I mean, Brian and you brought it up. I don't want to speculate how much of it was like you know what are it's clear that she's just miserable on this set it's clear that she's just so does not want to be there and i don't want to get into who did what or what who said what but like when it comes down to it it just knowing that made me sad this time around where i'm just like it looks like someone just being forced to be in a school play like and yeah and, you know like they, it, they, and I, they said on the commentary which was recorded at the time so 23 years ago uh, that she was upset that like during filming ben affleck had to leave and go be on something else and then come back but she was like why do i have to stay here the entire time and he was like you're in every scene they're not so yeah I, again this was 23 years ago he said that he's sorry about saying all this stuff but i'm just saying yeah. that's what he said at the time and for the record linda fiorentino can be a great actress because last seduction yeah. which is a movie i have serious issues with during its last <laughs> reveal yeah. she's fucking incredible in that movie yeah like yeah just she's i mean she's good in a in a comedy-esque and men in black so Mm -hmm. it's like she can do that it just yeah just it's one of those things where it was just like i don't know what happened on this set but yeah but even certain lines i mean brighton you put this in the chat and kevin you also put this in the chat uh when we were obviously off mic uh that like you can just imagine certain line deliveries from janine garofalo's just deadpan just jesus christ like i mean i just saw Romeo and michelle again for the first time in several years and just like that's a character who is so abrasively unpleasant but it doesn't matter because her her selling that just discomfort and this just like oh fuck me kind of annoyance is so funny i mean even in a movie like the minus man where she is serious in it and still kind of funny. She's oh, yeah. really good in it. So yeah. this would have been around the time and I think she would have been perfect for it. Yeah. Yeah. But um also yeah, this is Matt Damon's like first comedic role and I think he's like very fucking funny in it. He, yeah, he and 
I know, like, Damon gets, like, a lot of flack for, like, stupid shit that he says in public, and that well, he's yes, made some, he's, yeah. has made some bad movies, but, man, when he's on fire, he's, like, just, like, splendid to watch. And Affleck, too. He, like, they have to, oh, their yes. chemistry is very fun. Um, like, one line that made me fucking die this time around, it was just, like, uh, when Affleck is like, this is coming from the guy who still owes me $10 over which one was going to be the bigger movie, E.T. or Crush Groove, and Damon's like, you know what? Fuck you, man. <laughs> Time will tell him that. <laughs> I have an issue with those jokes, though, where they were just like, oh, do you think when Chris Rock drops down and was like, do you think he has a letter attached to him? Like in that movie Con Air, oh, that sucked. And then Salma Hayek has a thing of, I'm responsible for 19 of the top 20 highest grossing movies of all time. Well, which one was the one? Oh, you know that dumb movie where the kid's like, ah, They're like, oh, God had to pull some serious shit to make that one work. And I was just like, Kevin Smith. And then like, it cuts to a guy taking a shit after she said well, shit. It's, uh, cinema. But, but I'm just like, <laughs> but, Kevin, but this is a typical Kevin Smith thing. It's like the thing he does in Clerks 2 where he talks about why Star Wars is better than Lord of the Rings. And I'm just like, dude, shut up. Well, it's like, you don't even know how to use a camera. Fuck you. It's also <laughs> funny, too, that like, he like has like, because there's a whole scene where Jan Sound and Bob talk about like your, um, I mean, we'll get into this, like how John Hughes, the the, the John Hughes thing factors into it, but like how they, oh, so funny. how they love, oh, how so they love John Hughes movies and everything, and it's like they know that like Home Alone was like co-written by John Hughes. It's like oh, whatever, yeah. Uh, um, but yeah. Well, Salma Hayek says that, not Jane Salma Bob. If it's just around, they would have been but, like, but hey, you don't disrespect Chris Chris Columbus. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just such punching down humor without any sense of self awareness or even like. Where it's just, it just is just making me be like, dude, you are so lucky to have succeeded for what you did. Like, and right. it's he, he never, he never really does that again. Cause like in Jane's Hall and Bob, he's having fun while making fun of other movies, like another Scream uh, movie or I mentioned stuff Clerks like that. Too. He does the whole Lord of the Rings right, Star Wars right. thing. And I know that it. That's not as bad as being like, oh, fucking Con Air sucks, or Home Alone sucks. Also, like, like it's subjective, but Con Air is Con Air is a much better movie than Dogma. I would much rather watch Con Air over Dogma. Both okay. movies do, I haven't seen Con Both Air movies do... Oh, it's fun. Um, both movies do have, oh, sure. um, uh, have like, end credits where it's like the people turn into the camera and smiling, which Ebert noted at the time, and, like, Con Air, it's like, it's, like, very weird that all this horrible stuff happens, and it's, like, these violent criminals who are, like, smiling to the camera, and then, like, Dogma has well, the yeah, end like credits. Yeah. And, and then yeah. Dogma has the end credits where, like, it's, like, the people, like, cracking up uh, at the end of the movie. Uh, uh-huh. um, uh, what else do I can say? Oh, yeah, Chris Rock is also really good in here. He's, like, almost never a good actor, but I think he's, like, very funny, and actually, during the serious moments, he's, like, actually pretty good. Um, not as good as Spiral from the Book of uh, Saw, but you know. Um, oh, Jesus, I forgot. About but yeah, that. I know we all did. Um, but I mean, like Jason Lee is always good. He's good in it. Selma Hayek. He is... annoyed me in this. I'm sorry, and it might be the writing and the character, God, but Jason Lee yeah. really rubbed me the wrong way in this. If movie. it was better material, I think I'd like the performance a little bit more. I do think that, he's that's, like, putting stuff. That's into the it. thing with everyone in this movie for me, though. Apart from like. I, I I agree with you, Kevin, that Alan Rickman, I don't like his dialogue in this, but he's selling it the best way he, he can. He has great uh, diction. I mean, just the way, the emphasis he puts oh, on yeah. like, the words where... Stop a couple of angels from entering and thus negating all existence. Clever lackeys. Spelled out yeah, he's basically <sighs> doing the same type of performance he did in Galaxy Quest, though. In Galaxy Quest, he's a better character. Mm. Maybe, the, like, it, same year, by the way, but, like, I, I, that was the thing, is I just was like, God, I wish I was watching Galaxy Quest right now. Uh, I, I finished that's Dogma, fair, and I but... was just like, I wish I was re-watching Dogma right now. <laughs> <Okay>. um, <laughs> but yeah, love this movie. I can't defend Smith for the past like 15 years, but I'm I'm always just like, ah, oh, buddy, 
maybe next time even though you know it's not going to be next time but yeah like very 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 formative those per those first five movies and clerks still still yeah i'll go to the map for that one i i like a few of those i still like a few of those older ones yeah um yeah and sorry i was like cutting in too with like the your with your initial thoughts i wasn't trying to sorry if i was talking i also cut in bright and we have been both very mean to kevin childhood yeah yeah (laughs) no um but yeah bud court showing up that's fun um i had i did not remember that at all (laughs) yeah uh trying to what do you think of oh Oh, sorry go ahead please oh i was was trying to think what What do you think of the alanis morissette song at the end uh sure (laughs) i uh, I was thinking oh this might be okay and i'm like this is a long song i I don't know how i feel yeah yeah Yeah. it was definitely just like so we need a movie for the song for the credits she was like okay what do you want he was like how about she was like i guess yeah sure and and talk about how god still loves you uh that's the chorus Uh I, I I love it warts and all he's not a good director but the dialogue and it still makes me laugh a lot it is funny who shot this movie it's um Robert Yeoman who shot a lot of like the Wes Anderson movies and it's just funny uh-huh. to, it's insane it's funny to think about some of the direct the DPs that he's worked with over the years like um isn't it like Laszlo Kovacs who shot like Jersey Girl or something and then like um, yes yeah yes what and then um what <laughs> and then uh, uh, Tusk and Yoga Hosters are both shot by James Lax and who shoot Moonlight and If Beale Street Could Talk, which are gorgeous yep. looking movies. Quick correction. The cinematographer for Jersey Girl is actually Vilmos Zygmunt, different Hungarian cinematographer. God. So wild. Anyways, I just found that funny. And Howard Short did the score for this too, a uh, Canadian. Yep. So. That was the other thing that blew my mind is I had no idea Howard Short did the score for this fucking thing until after I was done watching it. So that's what's <laughs> kind of notable about this movie is like, it is like, I don't know. Again, I don't agree with you, Kevin. That this is like a like his best movie technically and everything, but it is definitely one of his most ambitious Not, movies. I, well, I meant like technically. I was I was gonna say like it's his best movie, but my favorite is still Clerks. Sure. Like I think I think this is is peak ish because Jane Silent Bob is just like a wacky Scooby Doo in credits to his whole viewisk universe. But I was like, this is the best that he could do, and also he was writing the script for like ten fucking years. So sure, it's 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 interesting just in the context of his career and like him like trying to like you know cash all his chips in on this like very ambitious project and like you said deeply personal i mean this is like i i I don't remember the interview super well but like it's like there's a book i have of like a thousand movies that or like not a thousand but like movies that mean the most to me it's like filmmakers talk about movies that mean the most to them and the movie that kevin smith has interviewed interviewed about is a man for all seasons the fred zinnemann movie which is like it's like oh that's very unexpected for for kevin smith uh but anyways um yeah, it, it is interesting when you frame it like that, but that's, I guess it's more like me thinking about, like, talking about it rather than actually watching it. Watching it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but there I, are bits I, of it I still like. I mean, yeah, I I don't know if it's, if I just unlocked my younger brain, but after it was over, I was like, fuck, I want to rewatch it, man. Like, like, to the point where, like, when I was younger, I watched Jansaw and Bob Strike Back so much that, like, it was 15 years where I was like, I never want to see a fucking frame of that movie ever again. <laughs> and then I rewatched it, like, a year or two ago, and I was like, you know what? It's still fun. Um, I, I always think about uh, Jay busting into the window and seeing James Vanderbeek and saying, holy shit, it's the Dawson. <laughs> and then Jason Biggs is there. He goes, hey, aren't you the guy that fucked the pie? Yeah, it's good stuff uh let's get into the plot there is a lot of plot yay yeah <clears throat> uh bartleby and loki are fallen angels eternally banished from heaven to wisconsin for insubordination after inebriated loki resigned as the angel of death at bartleby's suggestion um 
that's funny yeah they said in the commentary that there was just like oh we were we were thinking about whenever uh alan rickman is talking to linda ferentino about like how they got banished and whatnot he was like we were gonna have like funny like cutaways to them doing all of this and we were like oh we decided against that I was like good there's no way that would have looked good that would have looked like the fucking hell scenes that spawn probably <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um yeah in a newspaper article that arrives anonymously, the angels discover a way home. Cardinal Glick is redecorating his church in Red Bank, New Jersey, in the image of the Buddy Christ, which rules anyone who enters the church during the redecoration festivals will receive a uh, plenary indulgence, remit- remitting all sins. Were the banished angels to undergo this rite and then die after transmuting into human form, God would have no choice but to allow them back into heaven. They are encouraged by the demon Azrael and the triplets, demons, the three teenage hoodlums who serve Azrael in hell. Yes, and uh, the Cardinal, uh, worth mentioning that he's played by George Carlin, uh, the famous stand-up comedian, and also that one of the hockey uh, hockey jersey-wearing demons is played by uh, a young man named Katao Sakurai, who grew up to direct the Eric Andre uh, uh, Lil' O'Howry vehicle Bad Trip, which is pretty funny. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Very funny. Um... I don't know. I mean, like, the, the I like this opening scene with Damon and, and Affleck where they're just, like, fucking with people and, like, just, like, having a, a good time. You know, Damon is, like, convincing a nun to, like, leave the faith with, like, charity money and Affleck is, like, people watching and they're, like, and I think they're back and forth on, like, the, the uh, where the, when they're, like, reading the newspaper article and, like, uh, and Affleck says, like, gives them the article and Damon starts reading it and then, like, uh, he, like, just sort of trails off and he's just, like, well, then what? And then, like, Affleck's just, like, you have to keep reading it. Like, <laughs> like the pissiness that Affleck brings to it, like does feel like you like do immediately get like a sense of history between them. And I think it's because like, you know, Damon and Affleck are very, are very good friends. Like that's like a known thing. And like they've uh-huh. acted and worked together before. Uh, but like, I think their chemistry is like very fun uh, and makes a lot of the dialogue have like a good zing that it might not have otherwise if it was other actors. Um but, They're two of the best parts of the movie by far. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. Sure. But yeah. But you do also have, like, stuff that... I don't know. I guess it's maybe Kevin Smith trying to, like, do, like, background gags and everything. But, like, when they're just, like, walking past, like, the the, the movie fast food merch and everything, they, that's, like, they decide to go on a killing spree and everything. Like, targeting fast food and everything. And uh, just, like, in, the, the, the camera sort of, like, lingers in the background and, like, two guys, like, wearing the cheese head outfits and everything in the background uh-huh. and doing, like, devil horns. And it's just kind of, like okay, it's not really much of a joke that, like, has a punch and everything. It's, like, I mean, it's him, uh-huh. like, trying to do something a little more inventive, but it just, like, it doesn't, it doesn't really work. And I mean, timing is everything with comedy and everything, but, like, some of the scenes in this, like, just, like, they they either, like, like pause a little too long before cutting to the new one, or, like, they cut, like, look, as soon as, like, the words are out of a person's mouth, like, they're saying, right. like, and, and I don't know. Um, sorry, I don't mean to, like, be... No, but it's all about editing, too. I mean, he should have, like, cut down yeah in terms of like yeah uh-huh. uh bethany sloan a despondent abortion clinic counselor attends a service at her church in illinois donations are solicited for a campaign to stop a new jersey hospital from disconnecting life support on john doe jersey a homeless man who was beaten into a coma by the triplets metatron a seraph and the voice of god appears in bethany and in a pillar of fire and explains that if bartleby and loki succeed in re-entering heaven they will overrule the, the word of god disprove functional concept of god's omnipresence and nullify all of existence bethany aided by two prophets jay and silent bob must stop the angels and save the universe now how did jay and silent bob make their way into this movie is like why are they there that's that's worth getting into i think is 
it, my oh, yeah, the, the triplets are gonna uh, uh, rob her or whatever after she leaves work, and they come out and save her, and then they're talking about, uh, oh, we should just stay stay in New Jersey. We'd make a profit, and they're talking about making an actual profit. And uh, Metatron says that she will see two profits, and it's uh, kind of cute. Well, I was also thinking, like, isn't it like they're in Wisconsin because like they were going? Is it? I can't remember if this is exactly how I don't remember. But like, isn't it that they said <laughs> they watched all these John Hughes movies and they thought that the town that they were set in existed. So they traveled all the way there to get there, found if the town wasn't real, <laughs> and now they're going back to New Jersey. And it's yeah. like, like it's I'm just like that's like the, the the I'm like you couldn't have like thought somebody less sweaty to like get them bring them together and everything. Well, like I mean, the whole thing is that. Jane Silent Bob are from a completely different universe and a completely different movie. Them being in Clerks is one thing. Them being in this movie, it's... I mean, even them being in, like, Mallrats, too. Sure. Like, it's yeah. just... Yeah, but it... I mean, it's it's an example of Kevin Smith liked these characters too much, and he just wanted them to be in the movie, and they were like, how can we connect the dots? And they're there. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I do remember in the commentary... Uh, ben Affleck very funnily says he was just like you know I've worked with directors that like to do coverage and whatnot but I think I guess they're just all hacks compared to you I guess is that what is that what's going on it's pretty funny um, now a target Bethany is attacked by the triplets who are driven off by the two four tone prophets drug dealing stoners Jay and Silent Bob please applause Bethany and the prophets are joined by Rufus the thirteenth apostle played by Chris Rock and Serendipity the muse of creative inspiration now working in a strip club in search of inspiration of her own. Oh yeah, that that the Summer Hayek strip club in, introduction. It's like so. I mean, it's like a thing of like I struggled to like understand the geography of that club and everything. Like I don't think the scene gets a very clear idea of like because it's like she's dancing for like two competing competing groups of audiences, like Jay and Silent Bob, and then like a group of uh, young black men, include, including one of the actors. I can't remember his name, but he, I think he's like one of the artists who's in Chasing Amy. Um, he like, but like the movie like is like cutting between. She's like tilting her head and then like there'll be like sort of like a belding sound effect on the soundtrack or whatever and then like it will cut to like the reaction shots of the patrons and everything and it's like i guess they're in like a bidding war for retention but like they are but their eye lines on forever it, it goes on forever but also their eye lines i'm like thinking where are they in relation to each other on in like watching the stage and in the club like it's just like it doesn't make sense they, like it's, they said in the commentary it's just like through editing they made that scene make sense yeah they said yeah explains a lot because it was supposed to be like they're competing and then the gang was supposed to like get violent with them and then they were just like oh that doesn't really work (laughs) but it is very funny afterwards when uh uh serendipity and bethany and all of them are talking in the jans on the mob come by he goes hey they made us members of their gang <laughs> yeah, uh, but like this is like the fact that they're like in a gang and like they all have guns it's just like well dude, yes like no that's not it's a pretty it, rotten stereotype like it, yeah. well that's the thing about this whole movie that i have a problem with is like it's trying to be it's trying to be politically incorrect and correct at the same time which like again not to like <laughs> Not to be like I'm the, you know, like it, it's 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 the same thing with like folks. The PC police has shown up. Mr. It, Nash is here. Jesus, <laughs> God damn it! Uh, it, it's just like the the whole like, you know, Ben Affleck will be like the you uh, disowned your son because he was gay, but then like half of the jokes are homophobic, and I'm oh. just kind of like, all right, like what? 
and I'm not yeah. offended by them. I just find them lazy. Or, you know, like, Chris Rock will be like, you beat off more than any other person in the world. And All right, like, but tell okay, me something I don't know. Don't know. Half the time you're thinking about guys, and then Bob will be like, huh? Oh. He'll be like, not all the time. And I'm just like, I'm not offended by that, but, like, you're doing this whole holier-than-now speech from Affleck, and then in another scene you're making that the joke. It's like... So you believe, and I can I can understand the argument being like, well, he's it's him calling out his own discomfort with his own hypocrisies, but that's not what the movie's doing. Well, you know, and, like it. Well, um, it really what, isn't doing that. It's ultimately on the side of like, it, this is what is considered you know typical comedy in the nineties, right? And it's oh, just yeah. not funny. I would say I'm not saying homophobic jokes can't be funny either. I just don't care. If they're, uh, but they're fucking lazy. Is right. Thing but, that I, I have but I I mean, not to defend homophobia. Uh, <laughs> That's a great but I'm way to it's, it's, I need to, no. I need to go. Yeah, okay. Let me cut that, yeah, let yeah. Me cut that out. Goodbye. No. Yeah. <laughs> just cut that out. Put it on the internet. I'm done. Yeah. No, but like it's the thing, like you were saying with Beavis and Butt, it's just like it's coming from the stupid characters in the movie. But yeah, you're also but supposed be, to but... like them at the end. And like, and, yeah, and yeah. Yeah. like occasionally like Beavis, pearls of wisdom. Beavis and Butt are outrageously sexist, but I also do like them at the same time because they're dumb. Oh, but, and but the whole thing is the whole world is but the whole world is against them and they're fo- they're always the butt of the joke they don't become integral to saving the planet at the end of the movie and if they do it's all because everyone's too stupid to realize that they are just like morons whereas James and Bob it is that type of thing where even Matt Damon's like these guys they're not bad like what, what about those guys the, we met them on the train they're pretty decent guys and it's just like what makes you think that you know like where Beavis and Butthead it's, it's like yeah it's it, it again like i'm not saying those types of jokes can't be funny it's all about the context for this and the uh-huh. context is that for me like it's too full of its own bullshit is ultimately where i come down on it okay now. but the funny scene where they're saying what do you what are you guys doing oh we're about to smoke a bowl with these guys this is larry and barry <laughs> and the only time that the joke where they're intimate that they're gonna sleep with bethany and he goes oh hi and uh jay says you're gonna sleep with him <laughs> that's the only time it's funny uh, <laughs> the rest of it is just like beating the exact same joke over and over but it's can... the exact but that that's ultimately the other thing is that like even beavis and butthead even if it's the same joke there's like different variations on that joke and i feel like this is just the same gag over and over again uh-huh. yeah so i mean we i mean i feel like the movie like sort of the plot kicks back in when they're on i mean the strip club although when does the I gotta check my notes with the boardroom scene because like that scene is kind of pivotal like in terms of like Loki and Bartleby's like massacres they want to like target like consumerism. It's like the halfway point, right? I mean, yeah, it's actually not in this rundown, but it's about it's right after the scene it's, where it's it's, right as, before, it's after they meet Salma Hayek in the strip club. After they meet, yeah, 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 because it's before they meet up on the train because they get held up because of Matt Damon's killing spree. Yes, like yeah. he shoots someone on the yeah. bus because it's a guy cheating on his wife or whatever. Ah, uh, that scene is so fucking. I, cool. I mean. It's it, it's okay. I mean, it's fine. Although there is like a weird kind of like vent to like some of like the uh, where just like them like often targeting women and everything. Like I mean, even when like at the start of the movie before they start killing people, it's like Ben Affleck talking about like, oh look at all these people in the airport. You know they're hugging each other, but this guy doesn't know that his girlfriend cheated on him twice. I'm like, really? Like you're making it like the <laughs> like the woman who's like the cheater and like it's like and like killing them. I, I don't know, but it's that I mean, that's not the but but then in the movie shootout they kill everybody besides her and they go you. You lead a distant life. Good for you. 
But you didn't say, God bless you when I sneezed. That is very funny. And I would say, I would like more jokes like that, especially because I feel like there's opportunities for them where, like, it's Alan Rickman often taking the Lord's name in vain when he, like, pops into a scene or is angry. It's like, I think, like, I feel like that's a missed opportunity where I'm like, why was, it would be funny if, like, God was saying, like, hey, now, what were you, like, what was this that you were saying back? I would have liked those jokes and everything, but just sort of, like, the nitpicky stuff where it's like, that's the thing that you're harping on? But, um, in terms of, like, religious rules. But, um, uh, the boardroom scene. I feel like yeah. that is the movie's attempt at like really trying to go for dark humor, and I feel like for the most part, whiffing it. Where it's just like they're just. I, about, I do yeah. think Affleck is dialed in in that scene. I think He's so good in it. The performances are dialed in. It's just it's Kevin Smith being in love with his own dialogue and that it, really gets to. It's me. also like describe. It's like dark comedy. It's like his idea of dark comedy is just describing the most horrifying things and everything. Where it is like you know rape and child molestation and all these other things and i'm like so is it like i don't see where the humor is and like the way you're just naming this off i mean i guess he's doing it jauntily and everything but i'm thinking like i don't see what the joke is with like a lot of the things that like you're like i don't I, like it just like it kind of loses the tone i feel like in terms of like trying to make it i mean you can have these characters of course be horrible like the board members that they're gonna kill and everything but like it's just like i and i don't want to like be like i hope I'm, I'm, I'm making this come across okay or anything because like of course but, but like it's well there's a difference can i can i jump in like i think happiness is i mean i love the movie happiness which some people fucking despise where that is some of the most uh some of the most uh explicitly uh but happiness (laughs) is committed but happiness is committed and nuanced and making you stick with the characters and their behavior and making them stick with like hey um this person's a fucking pedophile they know that they're mentally ill but they're gonna st- you're gonna stick with this person and the movie and the character knows that it's fucked up this person like like I it, there's like and Todd Salons and Kevin Smith were both making movies at the same time but there were two completely different types of filmmaking you think maybe this met? is a tangent. You know, what, I wonder what they talk about if they met. <laughs> yeah um, like yeah. Uh, but, but like I, I guess what I'm saying is like if you want to bring up sensitive subject matter like that I'm not saying that like that's off bounds in terms of comedy it's just it's it feels like an easy way out of like way to like well the joke for him is just it. bringing it up exactly to yeah. be dark. Exactly. it's not There's it's not actually there. dealing with it yeah yeah um it's yeah. Yeah, and I don't really, and it's like, I don't feel like there's really anything dangerous to it, especially like this movie, like, in terms it's of not like. not dangerous at well, all. Especially because yeah. this movie, like, you're talking about, like, how it's so controversial with, like, in terms of religion. It's like, and, like, the flimsiest connection here is, like, it's like they're calling, like, I mean, I guess that there is, like, maybe a nugget of idea, like, in terms of, like, you know, people who, like, commit, like, mass shootings, like, they're saying, like, they're doing it for a reason. It's like, the reason is like not really irrelevant there it's like they mostly just want to i mean there's a line that matt damon has is like wow he's just like blowing off eons of repression right now and everything that's like what they're doing and just like giving like very vague tangential motivations here and like that's an idea but it's like i don't feel like it's really anything saying anything particularly lacerating about religion and or like religious hypocrisy in that particular scene i feel like it's just kind of it's kind of separate from the rest of the movie, I feel like, in terms of... And- Acknowledging a, s- a difficult subject matter is not the same as engaging with difficult uh-huh. subject matter, which is what I feel like is this movie's detriment in general. And I'm not saying it's not trying to engage with it on, you know, factual stuff in regards to Kevin Smith's upbringing and, uh, you know, Catholicism and stuff like that. But when it comes to, like, yeah, that boardroom scene, like, it's just, it's obvious. It's just kind of like... 
okay, he named two people with certain things that are horrible. What are the other four or five other people going to be? And then, oh, you, you're a decent person. And then, yeah, like... It's also, inter- anyway. it's also interesting that he's talking about, like, these horrible sex crimes in relation to this corporation. And I guess... It's interesting to like, think about like how relevant this was, but like when you're making a movie about the Catholic Church, and that's one of the things that you don't mention in the movie as like one of their things. They mentioned like their I was kind of shocked by that too. Yeah, they mentioned when they took go to George Carlin, they talk about the, the worst things that the church did, or like two of the bad things they did was like slavery, which of course are very bad, and then like the Holocaust, like not taking any action during the Holocaust or whatever. And it's like I was I, I remember then, being shocked by that too, Bryden, and I know it was 1999, and I was like eight when that when this movie came out, but I was shocked that I was just like, people were talking about that back yeah, then. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, like, of course mention those things. Like, I think there's like, there's merit in bringing up those things. That the church was involved in, but it's like, it does. Uh-huh. And again, it's like hindsight 2020 or like, you know, in terms of like how much this is talked about with like, you know, the Boston globe reporting on that stuff with like, you know, what was made chronicle in the movie spotlight and whatever. But it, it's like, it does like feel like a weird omission when you're talking about it. It's like, when you talk about like bad things that the Catholic Church has done, it's like, that is not, that is like a, a thing that it's talked about. Sorry if that was like snickering. I'm not, it's not, it's obviously well, the, well, the part no, of the well, money. Well, I, I think South Park, the... I, you know, South Park dealt with stuff like this in a much more, even in 30 minutes, like South uh-huh. Park engaged with more controversial subject material in a way that is similarly, and I, and I like much earlier episodes of South Park. I think South Park is an equally smug show oh, that yeah. is very, very funny in its early episodes that at least engaged with this on certain, like, trying to make things even playing fields. That And I don't remember if there was an episode. I know they've tackled, obviously, you know, this subject matter in later episodes. I don't know if it was before 1999, but... Right, yeah. and I, I I don't know whenever the spotlight thing... I think that was early 2000s, right? Yeah, because, I mean, it, yeah, this is yeah, my stupid brain associated with the movie and everything, but, like, there's, like, a key point in the movie where, like, they're recording on the case, and then they have to take a break because 9-11 happens, and they have to cover that story. Right, because yeah. mm-hmm. 99, this is supposed to come out in 98, so this is probably three, four years after the Sinead O'Connor SNL thing, where people were just, like, right. talking mm-hmm. about things in the Catholic Church. That doesn't exist. And Joe so Pesci like, said, I would have slapped her if I was there. Yeah, the like, next week. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I, I feel like it hadn't broken just yet, but I'm sure... I'm sure they were, you know, it, it wasn't just like a bomb that went off. It's just like obviously Sinead O'Connor knew about it. Then we'll, yeah. Anyways, uh, back to the plot. On a train to New Jersey, a drunken Bethany reveals her mission to Bartleby, who tries to kill her. Bob throws the angels off the train. This action scene is fucking terrible. I will not defend that. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's. Awful. I mean, the way that like Affleck is thrown off, it doesn't even look like real. The way he's, it looks like there's no weight to him at all. But I do love Damon's no. line, where it's like, "I could just get off at the next stop." When he's being, like <laughs> thrown out the train, like Damon, like it's not. It's his character is kind of weird, where he is like the one instigating most of the violence, but is also like weirdly affable and everything. Like when uh, Asriel shows up, like to to tell them there's a death warrant, he's like, "Hey." Nice to see you and everything. Like he's like he's very like jovial. It's like too. they're looking for you, and he's like, really? Yeah. <laughs> also, I know that Linda Fiorentino's character is drunk, but like she's been warned by Rickman about this, like at the beginning, and then she meets two very drunk people on the train, and it's kind of like after this is after Alan Rickman and Chris Rock and Selma Hayek, and it's like, wouldn't you expect? Like, I'm not saying don't get drunk. I'd be fucking plastered by this point. But like, yeah. like, like, but at the same time, it's like she, it, her character just kind of changes depending on whatever turn the story needs to take without any sense of like, I don't know. 
And I know it's not a realistic movie, and but like if you're gonna have a cipher, you might as well have someone that's like got some semblance of, I don't know, right. <laughs> Um, Affleck's really good in this scene. I'd say he's a pretty good scene partner with Tarantino. Where where he's just like, what am I supposed to do? Kill a bunch of angels. He's like, maybe you should kill them. She's like, oh yeah. And then like yeah, his his chilling word delivery in that is really good. The way like um, he like he seems kind of happy about like the the mask yeah. like sort of lifting. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's really it's really effectively played. Yeah. Well, Affleck playing a, a scumbag is also like is that often when he's his best? I would this is true. I mean, yeah, like Last Duel, Gone Girl, this, yeah, Gone Girl, yeah, Mallrats, uh, yeah, scummiest guy in Mallrats. <laughs> uh, Bartleby and Loki now realize the consequences of their scheme. Loki wants to impart destroying all existence, but Bartleby remains angry at god for his expulsion and for granting free will to humans while demanding servitude from angels and resolves to proceed this is the scene in the parking garage i think affleck in particular is just giving it just just so good um in new jersey and we know it's new jersey because they walk by a sign that says welcome to new jersey welcome to new jersey uh bethany asks why she has been called upon to save the universe why can't god simply do it himself metatron admits that god's whereabouts are unknown he disappeared while visiting new jersey in human form to play skee-ball the task falls to bethany because she now learns she is the last scion a distant but direct blood relative of jesus the group cannot persuade Glick to cancel the celebration. Jay stills one of Glick's golf clubs. Their remaining option is to keep the angels out of the church, but Azrael and the triplets trap them in a barb and prevent them from doing so. Azrael reveals that he sent the news clipping to the angels. He would rather end all existence than spend eternity in hell. Bob kills Azrael with the golf club, which Glick blessed to improve his game, which I do love that. Though they were just like, yeah, he's such an asshole. He'd be the type to bless his own golf clubs to get a better game. <laughs> That is one thing I will say that is, like, not obvious, is that they are just like, why would you steal his golf club? And then that whole buildup of, like, oh, come on, hit me. You can't, like, it's a fucking golf club. Like, like I'm not going to say I did not expect what were you it, gonna, but it. What were you going to say? Hit me with the golf club? Please, I'm a fucking demon. You want me to assault me with a putter? Yeah, that's pretty good. Like, like, it's one thing that does expect you to put the pieces together in that moment and be like, ah, which I feel like is the one time Kevin Smith does this throughout this movie. That isn't like a total like giveaway Uh Uh, or a character explaining it to you before it happens, which but like that scene also like where like, you know, he's before uh, Asriel is attacked and everything. There's like the, where he's like, because Asriel, he says, like, he was, like, a former muse of God and everything, and, like, he was cast out when, like, he got too big for his own britches and everything, and then, like, Sama Hayek, uh, Serendipity, says, like, you know, Elvis was an artist, you know, but that didn't stop him from fighting in the time of war, you know, like, because Jason Lee says, like, he doesn't want to, like, That's he, why he's he the fight. king, and, 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 and you're a And I'm, like, watching it, I'm, like, listening to it, and I'm thinking, like, wait, is this really, like, pro-war? Like, I'm just, like, it's, like, I'm, like I was, like, thinking, like, the ideology of this movie, I'm, like, it's, like, little things, like, throwaway lines of the album, I'm, like, wait, what are you trying to say with this movie? I don't like it's. I don't. I don't know. It's weird, but like it's, it's that Kevin Smith is clever and he wants you to be uh, admiring his own cleverness is ultimately what this movie is trying to say. Yeah, it's pretty so, funny. But, he's pretty funny. But and then uh, Jason Lee, I'd say, it does get the the line up. But I'm a fucking demon. Wesley like falls over is pretty good. Like it's, yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, Bethany blesses the bar sinks contents and the others drown the triplets in the holy water. They race to the church where Bartleby has killed Glick, his pernicious part parishioners and assorted bystanders pretty good gore effects i would say in this scene with like the head exploding when they drop the oh yeah. pretty good I, I would say nice yeah. like nice chunky viscera um yeah. um 
<laughs> nice then, chunky viscera. Brian, Brian, Brian Doyle, uh, two and a half stars. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's, my, that, that's my favorite metal band. Yeah. That's our first t-shirt, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when Loki, who is now wingless and therefore immortal with the conscience, attempts to stop him, Bartleby kills him as well. Uh, Damon doing a lot, lots of good drunk acting here because now he's mortal, so now he can drink. Uh, all appears lost. Jay attempts to seduce Bethany before all existence ends. I don't know about seduce, but when he mentions the John Doe jersey, Bethany finally puts all the clues together. She and Bob race across the street to the hospital as the others try to keep Bartleby from entering the church, but in doing so, Jay destroys his wings with automatic gunfire, making him mortal as well. Uh, Bethany disconnects John's life support, liberating God, but killing herself. Bartleby reaches the church entrance where he confronts God, manifested in female form, who annihilates him with her voice. Bob arrives with Bethany's lifeless body. God resurrects her and conceives a child, the new last scion within her womb. God, Metatron, Rufus, and Serendipity return to heaven, leaving Bethany and Jay and Silent Bob to reflect on the past and the future. The end. So, does she resurrect those people, or does she just kind of, like, wipe them off as if, like, a character with a mop does like what if they're buried under the flowers that they're they're now like blossoming outside the yeah. church uh-huh. um yeah because it, it because i would assume if she could just snap her fingers then bethany would just be fine and like you know linda fiorentino would be like hey it's me linda fiorentino i'm okay instead it's like one of those things where it's like no one has to expose their eyeballs to this grizzly scene anymore like <laughs> yeah the other thing too is um it's I feel like it's kind of wild that, like, the movie, it's like Fiorentino works at, like, an abortion clinic, and then, without really being consulted about it beforehand, is asked to carry the next scion. Yeah. The, and the they movie, don't even, yeah. The movie ends, like, with, like, this uplifting, like, crane shot above, like, the church and everything, as, like, she's, like, saying, <laughs> you boys, I can't, you can't talk like that so vulgarly, I'm gonna be a mother and everything. I'm thinking, like, I feel like there's, like, a bunch any... more, like, fucked up conflict that, like, you're not acknowledging in this movie. Again, this is, like, where the movie, like, is like standing off a lot of the rough edges with like with like a, this religious commentary with like all these threads that are presented as kind of like neutral or even positive and everything. It's like I feel like there's like something kind of it just, dark in that implication it, there. It's it it ex- well yeah the darkness is it expects you to put the lines between it, it expects you to connect the dots in that because she can no longer bear children she therefore works at an abortion clinic because it somehow gives her some catharsis to like eliminate yeah. she'll i forgot about like, the like, well, yeah it's weird. i mean yeah oh it's it, she's in yeah because she has that whole scene with alan rickman where she's like where was god when i could no longer bear children and then my husband left me because he can i could no longer bear his children right. like there's no internal conflict there not even a beat or a line to there, there say, does need to be a line that's saying like i couldn't bear children and it made me pissed off at god yeah, like, like that could be. F- so at honestly, the end, where that happens, you know, it's referencing like could, Mary, who's pregnant without having sex, blah blah blah. But that could honestly be really darkly funny too, if she was just this horrible person who just was like, "Well, since I can't bear kids, fuck them." Like, like there's something that is like potentially offensive but very funny about like why she's motivated to be an abortion to work in an abortion clinic. Instead, there's no it's trying to play it both sides in a way that is ultimately like shrug. That's not interesting. And because it, but the movie's not interested in it, which then makes me all the more kind of annoyed. That's no, that's a good point, Bryden. And again, like, Oh, I can bear children. 
problem solved. Like, you know, like it just, there's nothing, you know, Smith isn't interested in that character or that interior conflict. He's more interested in getting from set piece to set piece to set piece from dialogue in his head with himself to dialogue in his head with another version of himself or an adult figure like surrogate as to what he's been taught and giving them the finger. And don't get me wrong. I, I have had plenty of discussions with my, uh, myself about certain things that I was told not to do as a kid that I've learned is totally fine to do as an adult, even like lacking spiritual stuff where I'm just like, okay, but like, I don't like, I don't know. I'm just going in circles at this point and feeling like a jackass. So I'll shut up. But, (laughs) um, yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know if we have much to say. I mean, did you? I mean, I took screenshots because I thought I'd maybe read them later. But um, there was like a, the the all the thanks credits, which I seem to have sort of like Kevin Smith's like on like uh, imprint on them. Like at one point, <laughs> he talks about he thanks his wife and he says, "Oh gosh, what does he say?" He calls it can't be as bad as that tweet, kid. It? Oh, it's like, but it's like a, like foreshadowing of what's gonna come or whatever. Like later on, where he says. Uh, Jenny, who gives me strength, love, and major booty. And it's like, that is like, yeah, it's like that awful tweet that he gave later on where it's like, we feel like we're cheating on each other or something like that, where it's like, just like the worst thing ever. And it's, but yeah. Um, and then like, he has like, and also it's funny that he seems to be like dating in the movie, like the corporation of like movie, the fictional restaurant chain that exists also in Clerks too. Uh, but then it yeah. has like uh, plugs for all the VSQ merch that he, uh, that he's doing at the time, including the comics. And it also seems to be, uh, he seems to be just coasting on uh, with like his subs- his subsequent films, but um, yeah. Or like I his think most recent the difference stuff. is is the the company is making movie movie out to, the movie they call out to be a Jesus figure, which I don't think Kevin Smith is trying to make Jane Silent Bob like sure. religious figures. But sure. yes, I it's it's borderline hypocrisy. Yeah, yeah, but and that is like you couldn't even have like a a minute or two of like what what movie is like. Hip- hypocritical about like we only knew him as an icon but like even even if it was a bad joke just like something as like a bad mickey mouse like christ-like figure like we don't even fully understand what this we're told again this is i feel like this is getting down to a lot of problems i have with this movie and kevin smith as he tells and doesn't show in any way and that goes in terms of his writing and his direction combined is he consistently tells you what is right and what is wrong and what is good to feel and what not to feel. And he doesn't know how to visually do that in any way because he's just lacking in that department. I don't know. Um, also, it was like the other thing that crossed my mind is when they're talking about movie and they keep saying the name over and over again. I couldn't help but think of like the art house streaming service that we have now. Oh, of course. <laughs> which, is, of course. which is very funny to think about, about movie world being like a theme park just based on international cinema. <laughs> How dare you release a peach upon where a Sekathun films to the public? He is a sin. <laughs> You're <laughs> like, responsible yeah. for raising an app that draws worship from the yeah. Lord. And you can also get 30 days free if you put in the promo code. Yeah. <laughs> When are we going to get a movie sponsorship? I feel like everybody has one. Why not us? What's if you up? go to movie.com and use the promo code Soul Survivors, you'll get 10% no. I, I just I just feel like a crotchety old dad talking about this movie, and that brings me no pleasure to talk about this movie in such a negative light. You expect me to laugh when they talk about poop. 
You think that's funny? (laughs) I just feel like Old Man yells at Cloud with this movie because I know it has its fans, including you, Kevin, and it just doesn't... Like, I know Kevin Smith has a following, and I know that this movie and a lot of his movies mean a lot to people, and it just brings me no pleasure to be like... (laughs) You were like my high school principal who, when he heard bad language at uh, sports games, he wanted to say, just kind of life. (laughs) 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 Just get out of here. Drop and give me 20, Doyle. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Almost Major. Please rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. Please follow the pod on Twitter at Almost Major to keep up to date with what movies we will be covering in the future. Myself, I can be found on Twitter and Letterboxd at Kev Bonesy. Bryden can be found on Twitter at Bryden Doyle and on Letterboxd at J Doyle. Charlie can be found on Twitter and Letterboxd at CTNash91. Once again, thank you for listening. <laughs>